Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 11 to 1 on LMFM. LMFM. Anne Rice, the gothic novelist, widely known for her best-selling novel, Interview with the Vampire, has died at the age of 80. She died late on Saturday due to complications from a stroke and her son Christopher announced on her Facebook page and his Twitter page. She's written dozens of books, many of them in the Vampire series, selling more than 150 million worldwide. Interview with the Vampire, published in 1976, was made into a movie starring Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt in 94. Another of her works, The Queen of the Damned, was adapted into a film in 2002. Her work is revered all over the world. She brought us decadent vampires who taught us the true meaning of loneliness and the price you pay for living forever. I'm delighted to be joined by author Fiona Sherlock from Bechtel, who's best known for her own thrilling murder mystery books. She's going to discuss the impact Anne Rice has on literature. How are you doing, Fiona? I'm great. Great. I'm disappointed we're not going to have any more beautiful Anne Rice books, but... um, Yes, it's unfortunate that uh, that that she was mortal. Unfortunately, but um, Anne Rice had a big impact on me, as I'm sure uh, I came across her books really when I was in secondary school. It was around that third year me my childhood, which kind of sparked my interest in vampire fiction, Um, and I started reading the Anne Rice books when I was waiting for the other twelve. (laughs) <laughs> so you, so you, you discovered Anne Rice in between the Twilight franchise, which is that's that's unusual. Yeah, I, you know, I was a teenager in Navin, so I was interested in sort of the alternative music scene, Yamo and gigs and things like that. I suppose that was my time of adolescent exploration. I suppose vampires kind of appeal to that sense of maybe belonging on the fringes, mm. being a little bit sort of socially isolated, something different. Uh, and I think that's really why her books are so popular and why, why our interest in vampires is sort of prevails. Uh, if, if we feel like we don't quite belong, you know, we can empathise with them a little bit. Oh, totally. And this is, you know, as you said, the essence of kind of the, the, the brilliance of her writing. You know, I'd seen the movie before I'd, I'd read the book. And when I saw Into the View of the Vampire, which is a fantastic film, I just had to seek out the books after that. And like yourself, became absorbed into this world and obsessed by, by uh, uh, vampires. And although she didn't consult on the movie, she actually did love it. Because I think there was uh, initially before the movie came out, there was a bit of sort of, I don't want to say conflict maybe between the the filmmakers and herself but uh, I think she was surprised by how good it was 
Yeah, I mean, when, when the film was in production, they had no contact between the author and the studio. And then when they announced that Tom Cruise was going to play Lestat, she was really against it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she publicly came out to say that, that he did, she didn't think that was going to work. She didn't see any rough cuts, no clips. No screenings. It was only when one of the production team sort of uh, off their own back sent her a videotape of it that she immediately came out and said that she loved it. She even bought two pages in Variety uh, to write an essay about how much she loved it. She loved the film. She loved the way that Tom Cruise did the stat. Um, you know, she had no idea at that time that the film was going to be a roaring success. Yeah. You know, she she hoped it would be, but she felt, you know, so eccentric, so extreme, so weird. Um, but then, sure, you know, it, it blew blew the box office, $35 million opening weekend, Oscar nominated, and it was a huge success. And I'm certain that a lot of people are going to be trying to stream Interview yeah. with the vampire. Um, Do you know, know what? It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. I noticed it there the other day. So there you go. It's actually available on Netflix if people want to check it out. But yes, you're so right. And I actually read that essay that you're talking about. And she was just, she went into so much detail about how much she loved it, which is great. Um, you know, through the character of Louis, as you mentioned, you know, these people on the on the fringes of society and, and those of us who felt out of the, the general mass of people at school and things like that, you know, they we really identify them. And I think she really did show us a different side to the vampire. We feel sympathy for a horrible creature, which is very unique. And that takes a special kind of talent, I think, as a writer. Yeah, I mean, that's where her contribution to, I suppose, the, the, the canon of vampire fiction really has an impact. Because up until then, uh, readers, viewers were really just repulsed by vampires and what they could do to humans. But with Louis, you know, Louis is, is dying, uh, you know, he's not in his right mind when he is presented with this option for immortality and life that he could not dream of by Lestat. And I suppose, you know, the, the reader can empathise with that because... You know, if we found ourselves in that position, what would what, what would, would we choose? do? And mm. you know, like throughout throughout the books, throughout the movie, uh, you know, Louis really struggles with the decisions that he has to make to survive. You know, so he issues feeding on humans for a long time. You know, to feed on rat blood and mm. things like that. Uh, and I think we need to see that struggle um, that gives him a sense of humanity, and that is certainly a unique. Uh, contribution to, to the vampire scene and I think even Stephanie Meyer goes further than that with Edward Cullen yeah. her her leading vampire uh, he's even more sort of self-aware and introspective so it's like the lessons that Louis learned Edward Cullen picks up on in his sort of reluctance to, to make a vampire out of Bella even though she really wants him to Yeah absolutely and you know for people who, who haven't read uh, the Interview with the Vampire can you give us an idea of plot because there's a lot that goes on it's it's quite a tome of a, of a novel and it's uh, a lengthy enough movie as well if memory serves me right Yeah it's a long movie it, and it spans a long uh, time period so it kind of starts in 1791 um with Louis' conversion to a vampire by Lestat, played by Tom Cruise. Um, but the, the movie is framed by like a present-day interview in which Louis tells the story to a modern-day reporter. Um, uh, he goes through his, his own sort of birth of a vampire story. It chronicles their time together from 1791. Um, then they turn uh, 10-year-old Claudia, played by Kirsten Dunst, into a vampire. Um, so it spans a lot of time. It's a very star-studded 
uh, cast as well. Christian yeah. Slater, modern journalist, Antonio Banderas is, and Stephen Ray are sort of some of the, the kind of I forgot about them being in this. Yes, absolutely. They're fantastic. Yeah. And as you say, every person that is in this movie is really acting with a capital A, as uh, as, as the fellow says. But uh, the, this, you know, the, the idea as well, as you mentioned there, introducing the, the child vampire was, was great, I think, because it brings even more horror into this. Like, how can this innocent, beautiful child be so cold? Uh, but again, you feel really sorry for her because she is forever trapped in this childlike body even though she is in mentally growing up I suppose Exactly and, and, and her her even formation speaks a little bit to you know Lestat mm. um, because he's the one who turns her into a vampire um, to try and keep Louis with him Louis is obviously very dissatisfied as you know, uh, you know this sort of lifestyle of of killing people that that he needs to do to survive, um, and uh, you know, uh, Lestat brings Claudia into the vampire um, to keep Louis with it. That mm. they kind of raise her together as a daughter. But Claudia, played by Kirsten Dunst, it, it is an impossible situation because she is a fully grown up woman in the child of a body, mm. uh, in, in the body of a child, and. You know, that also sort of opens up our idea of a sort of a demon child mm. that, that the kind of story horror stories would have told up to this point. We can empathize with Claudia, even though she is, uh, you know, she's a nasty, a nasty little girl all the same. But, you know, what else, what other way is she going to be given, yeah. given the life that she has to lead? Yeah, really it is. And it's it's fantastic how well uh, th- that character is played out in the movie as well. There was a lot going on that I didn't realise in Anne Rice's personal life when she wrote Interview with a Vampire, isn't that right? Yeah, I mean, she, she went through a lot between, uh, you know, she when her, her daughter died at a young age. Um, she suffered multiple serious illnesses, nearly died a couple of times, uh, moved around the country a lot. Um, so she just certainly had a lot going on. And actually, when Interview with a Vampire was published in 1976, it was really received quite poorly by the critics, so much that it, it put her off writing a sequel for nine years. Mm. Um, it was nine years before she wrote um, uh, Vampire Lestat. So, you know, she she had a, a lot of, I suppose, heavy-duty stuff going on in her own life but she also had quite a troubled relationship with religion so she spent a lot of her life as an atheist um, and then she returned to Catholicism um, but uh, she even wrote a number of, of um, fictionalised versions of Jesus's life but then she kind of diverged again from Catholicism and mainstream uh, Christianity out of con- concerns about some of the social teachings there um, but I think you know Vampires and the supernatural, they all pose questions about, you know, immortality, Mm. about philosophy. Like, you know, vampires tend to have lived a very long time. They tend to be, I suppose, vehicles to kind of discuss and analyse humanity and ideologies and, you know, how things change over time. So I suppose the difficulty that she experienced in her own life is sort of transmuted through her art into these broader discussions around life and death. And I think that, you know, 
literature is all the richer for her contribution on that front. It really is. And, you know, I mean, as you mentioned there before, you know, you spoke about Twilight. She she paved the way for, for things like Twilight and also shows like True Blood, uh, who kind of further made vampires cool and sexy again, because, you know, prior to, to Anne Rice and prior to the, the True Bloods and all that, they were quite horrific. I mean, look at Max Shrek in Nosferatu and, and Gary Oldman in, in um, Dracula when he's the old version, when he's not his nice young version. Like, they really are these beasts, really, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. And, and that's where, where rice is vampires. They're, you know, emotional. They're emotional. They're sensual. They're prone to this aesthetic thinking. Um, but, you know, they're also beautiful and beauty is one thing that she speaks a lot about in how the movie represented the, mm. the book um, they're also unaffected by things like crucifixes, garlic, stick through the heart, holy water those I suppose tropes uh, were blown out of the water by Anne Rice's contribution but uh, and the popularity is just not ceasing. The amount of fan fiction that people are writing in response to Twilight and True Blood uh, you know just to our prevailing curiosity about the supernatural. Uh, and I suppose the times that we're living in, uh, I suppose we're all sort of going through a bit of an existential yeah. uh, crisis or, you know, thinking, evaluating like what is important in life and what is not important in life and where we can kind of move away from that. And strangely, I think that, you know, vampires might help us uh, to put things into the into context, really. Yeah, and I, do you know what? I predict a, a massive surge in this kind of thing again. I really do. And, you know, what struck me as well is, you know, why are books like Interview with the Vampire not taught in schools? I mean, there's so much going on that we've just even outlined, just scratching the surface of this in this conversation. You know, like one, even one of that book alone could be picked apart and studied for leaving cert or something. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I think the challenge here is there's just so many good books and stories yeah. out there. You know, in Ireland, we're quite limited because obviously we want to discuss and learn about our own literature, Sive, Dancing at Una said they're all really masterpieces of Irish fiction and tell us a lot about our culture and how we live. Um, but I think it, sometimes it could make us quite insular and, um, you know, genre fiction like uh, Interview with a Vampire, you know, crime, romance. The broader literary community, there's still a sense that it kind of looks down upon, mm. uh, you know, these genres. And that impacts on the decisions about what's included in the curriculum. Um, now, teachers do have a good degree of autonomy to look at works, but it's not just schools are avoiding genre fiction. I'm, I'm studying uh, a master's in Cambridge and they only very recently introduced a specialist crime writing Program. Wow, okay. Um, and considering that's that massive, look. isn't it? You know, yeah, like you're right. There's this kind of little bit of elitist kind of stuff going on, you know, higher ca- uh, literary canon works kind of being, being thrown out as opposed to, as you say, more kind of genre related stuff, which definitely should be should be looked at, I, I think. You know, it's kind of a, an older kind of maybe method of uh, teaching that needs to be maybe looked at. But look, look, she definitely will be remembered and revered for a long time. I, I definitely predict re- renewed interest in her work. But before we let you go, Fiona, I have to discuss your own work because um, 12 Motives for Murder, that's the latest one, doing very well out at the moment. And you're busy sending out your murder mystery games as well, aren't you? I'm busy. It's a busy time. And 12 Motives for Murder is in all the bookshops. Antonia's and Trim have been super supportive as well as Easton's and Nav. And I think there's, there's probably a few signed copies there in case anyone's looking for a crime uh, stocking filler. 
And yet the mystery games are, are, are flying out the door. And I think there's there's kind of two two reasons why. One reason is that a lot of companies aren't doing Christmas parties this year. And yeah. some way to get people together over Zoom, uh, the dreaded Zoom. And I suppose dressing up as maybe a Zelda Fitzgerald or, you know, a glamorous uh, toy boy uh, might just feel a little bit different than sitting down in front of the Zoom with a cup of cup of cold tea um, so and, and the other thing is people are looking for entertainment things to do at home with the family over the few days you know when people are probably trying to limit the number of contacts that they might have and reduce that uh, reduce those contacts so you know people want something that they can do with five or six people at home that will be something to kind of look forward to and and that's really where the, the, the murder mystery games are, are seem to be quite popular which is great. And the great thing, as you said, this can be done, you know, in person with a small group or online as well, which is great. And it's all kind of around that sort of Cluedo idea of who done it, isn't it? Exactly. So there, a crime has been committed, a murder has been committed, uh, and there's a, an array of motley suspects from you know, a, a business companion who, who lost money or maybe an ex-wife who had a grudge to bear or a brother who's who's holding something all quite apt this time. <laughs> um, uh, so this, yeah, as so people kind of put on a costume, maybe put on a bit of an accent and uh, look at the evidence and try and suss out the other players and figure out who done it. It beats Monopoly. It beats Monopoly on, on a Christmas afternoon. It really does. How can people order them, Fiona? That's it, Sinead. Uh, BespokeMurderMystery.com All of the information's on there. Fantastic. Fiona, thank you so, so much for joining us and thank you for your contributions to this show throughout the year. Wishing you and the family a very Merry Christmas. Oh, thanks so much, Sinead. Thank you. Thanks a million, Fiona Sherlock there. Fantastic to remember Anne Rice and you know, do you know if you have youngsters in your life that are maybe in their teenage years and they haven't gotten their hands on the Vampire Chronicles or the Interview with a Vampire book it is a fantastic gift and if they're into that kind of supernatural thing they'll be engrossed in the pages of this. Uh, as Fiona mentioned there BespokeMurderMystery.com that's where you'll find all the details of her games and everything else there. Oh. 